0: Hi, this is Kale Clark. Welcome to the Faith Explained on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio mobile app. I'm so glad that you're with me today for this journey of exploring, understanding, explaining and defending our Catholic faith. What did Jesus actually think about himself? Who did he think he was? Who did he claim to be? Now, a lot of people want to say that Jesus never claimed personally to be the Messiah. And one of the reasons why people say that is because when you read the Gospels, Jesus doesn't say that much about himself. Yeah, when you read the other New Testament books, there is a lot of talk about the importance of Jesus. But Jesus himself in the Gospels eh, seems to be a little silent, but really not so much. Really not so much. He does say some things about himself, and we just need to understand it in proper context. Here's the first thing that Jesus did say about himself, that he was a prophet. We know that at the very baseline in fact Jesus himself said no prophet is without honor except in his home country mark chapter 6 verse 4 now my professor doctor Craig Evans uh, who was my graduate supervisor and we worked on archaeological digs together in the Holy Land he would just hammer this stuff home to his students all the time Jesus's claims who he claimed to be and also his aims, what he was trying to accomplish. We need to get clear on this. And a lot of Catholics today and other Christians uh, don't know this stuff. And when the media challenges uh, this, uh, our Christian understanding of Jesus, and this happens a lot during feast times, the feast of Easter, Christmas, a lot of news articles appear in the media suggesting that, you know, the church made this stuff up. Well, we need to get right with the facts, and so, Jesus claiming to be a prophet is part of the picture. It's not the whole picture. We'll, we'll do the rest in just a minute. But there's no chance that the church made this up. Why would, why would any Christian make up a saying and put it in the mouth of Jesus? That Jesus' own friends, uh, extended family members, uh, people that he knew grew up with in the town of Nazareth would not have respected him there's no way that's made up it's certainly true that uh, the people at large uh, during his public ministry did think it, that he was a prophet uh, mark eight twenty eight. some say that you are one of the prophets so there there's this feeling in the air that yes jesus was indeed a prophet luke chapter 7 verse 16 a great prophet has arisen among us And then in Luke 7, uh, 39, if this man were a prophet, he would have known X, Y, and Z. Well, so there is an expectation that Jesus is a prophet. Now, when when you look at what the early church said about Jesus, uh, they called him the Savior, they called him the Son of God, they called him the Lord. They didn't really talk about him just as a prophet, because, of course, he's much more than a prophet, but yet this is part of the picture. Jesus made a lot of predictions that came true. Uh, he talked about the demise of the religious leaders of Jerusalem, Mark chapter 12, the famous parable of the wicked vineyard tenants. We looked at this the other day on the show. That, that's, so this is part of the picture, that Jesus, in fact, was a prophet, thought of himself as a prophet, but much more than that. Dr. Craig Evans, uh, in his book, Fabricating Jesus, talks about a few other things that Jesus claimed to be. Rabbi. And we know Jesus was called rabbi. He's addressed frequently in the Gospels as rabbi. And that word simply means teacher. Now, some people want to object to this because they think, well, hang on here. The title rabbi didn't become an official thing until later, long after uh, Jesus' earthly ministry, after 70 A.D. Now, we know what happened in 70 A.D. The temple was destroyed. Uh, The destruction of Jerusalem and its temple by the Roman armies But, but, just because rabbi didn't become an official thing until after that, an official formal title, that doesn't mean that people didn't use that word beforehand. We know that even people who didn't follow Jesus called him rabbi. Look at Mark 535, Mark 1017, Mark 1214. So, this title was in fact common, even during the lifetime of Jesus. Now, It's interesting too this has to be historical because in all likelihood uh, the church would want to avoid calling Jesus rabbi why because later on in history during the time of the rabbis a lot of the rabbis were very anti-Jesus they did not think that Jesus was the Messiah they did not believe in the message of the church so Again, it's kind of embarrassing that they that they would use this title for Jesus Rabbi, unless unless Jesus Himself used it. Jesus accepted that title. Was Jesus a priest? Well, certainly he wasn't a member of the tribe of Levi according to his human lineage. And of course, when we read uh, later writings in the New Testament, the letter to the Hebrews, for example, uh, we see a lot of talk about Jesus as our great high priest who has passed through the heavens and who intercedes with the Father for us and offers that that one perfect sacrifice for himself continually uh, to the Father. Did Jesus refer to himself as a priest during his ministry? Did any of his disciples think he was a priest? Well, let's think of this. Jesus did a lot of things during his ministry that would be normally done by the priests in Israel. For example he declared people to be clean when he cleansed the leper he says I, I want i am willing be made clean he touched the man heals him of his leprosy he also considers him to be clean and that you needed to be ritually clean to partake in the worship of ancient israel in the first century he declares people to be forgiven of their sins in mark chapter 2 the famous case of the paralyzed man who's lowered through the roof his friends dig a hole in the roof and lower him down on a mat to jesus they can't reach jesus because of the crowd so they take matters in their own hands and they go in through another way and jesus declares the man's sins forgiven before he heals him of his paralysis he also challenges the priests who are ruling the temple establishment in jerusalem for example when he uh cleanse the temple, quote-unquote cleanse the temple, Uh, his action in the temple, overturning the tables of the money changers, all that sort of stuff, that was a direct challenge to the priesthood, which was run by the Sadducees uh, in the temple in Jerusalem. So Jesus did do some priestly stuff, although he didn't refer to himself necessarily as a priest. Now one, one thing that he did call himself a lot was the Son of Man. And that has a lot to do with the book of Daniel. We've been examining the book of Daniel uh, in this Faith Explained series. Son of Man has nothing to do with Jesus' human nature. A lot of people make that mistake. They think Son of God refers to his divine nature as God, and Son of Man refers to his human nature, which he picked up at the Incarnation. Not the case. If anything, it's the opposite. All Israelites consider themselves to be, at some level, sons of God. But son of man refers to Daniel chapter 7. This figure, this mysterious figure that Daniel says in his vision was one like a son of man who approaches God the Father. He calls him the Ancient of Days in Daniel 7. And he receives a kingdom, power, glory, authority. All nations serve him. So Jesus says, I'm that guy. And every Jewish person who knew the scriptures would have known exactly what he was talking about. And this is Jesus' favorite self-appellation. It's his favorite self-designation. He calls himself this all the time. So Jesus sees himself, uh, Craig Evans put it this way, as God's vice-regent. He's ruling with God, the Father. Jesus told his disciples in Luke's Gospel, I assign to you... As my Father assigned to me a kingdom, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. That's from Luke chapter twenty-two, verses twenty-nine and thirty. In fact, uh, the disciples uh, embarrass themselves uh, quite frequently by requesting seats of honor in this kingdom. Uh, they're looking at the temple with Jesus. Oh, look at what beautiful buildings. They're hoping that when Jesus establishes his kingdom, they're going to have nice corner offices uh, overlooking Jerusalem, you know, large windows, uh, maybe a, a coffee machine. I don't know. But uh, this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He's promising a kingdom, and he wants to share it with them. So he's ruling along with the Father. You're listening to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio. I'm your host, Kale Clark. Well, let's let's ask another question: Did Jesus actually think that he was the Messiah? A lot of critics today say Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah. The Church put those words in his mouth. Well, I, I believe that Jesus did think that he was the Messiah. Uh, first of all, his disciples call him that. Uh, that famous scene at Caesarea Philippi, uh, Matthew chapter 16, Mark chapter 8. Peter says, you are the Christ. That means Messiah, the son of the living God. John the Baptist, when he was in prison, remember Herod had uh, consigned him to his fearsome fortress prison, which was known as Machaerus, uh, for criticizing uh, his unlawful marriage. He doesn't really know what to do with him. Of course, eventually in the end, uh, uh, tragically, John is martyred. But uh, you can read about this in Matthew chapter 11, also Luke chapter 7, John sends emissaries. He sends some of his own disciples to Jesus to ask him, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Now, that is coded language for Are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah, the one who is to come? Well, when Jesus answers these guys who John is uh, sending to him, It appears like he's kind of evading the question Uh, because Jesus actually answers. And I'm going to look at what he says in Matthew chapter 11. But Jesus is really quoting from the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah chapter 61. Jesus says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is he. Who takes no offense at me. All right, so at that point, Jesus does a bunch of these miracles in front of John's disciples and says, okay, no, go, go and tell them. John is doubting. He's doubting. He's in prison. And there's a reason why he's doubting, based on what they were expecting the Messiah to do. And one of the things that's really shed some light on this is the Dead Sea Scrolls. When the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, they really put a nail in the coffin of this theory that Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah. Now, the Dead Sea Scrolls are not Christian documents. they were written by a group of Jews known as the Essenes, uh, a sect within Judaism that lived among the caves in the Dead Sea, uh, in the desert, and a few other places too. And in their writings, they talk about what they expected the Messiah to do. What they expected him to be. And so it, it just, it sheds some light on what people in Jesus' time were thinking was going to happen when the Messiah did show up on the scene. Well, one of the documents they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls is called, you know, this is a fragment of a text, it's called 4Q521. What does that mean? Well, it was found in Cave 4, that's called 4Q, uh, the caves were in Qumran, this area by the Dead Sea, 4Q, Fragment 521. Now, uh, this is what's known as a messianic document. I believe it's called the Messianic Apocalypse. It says, For the heavens and the earth will listen to his Messiah. He will honor the devout upon the throne of eternal royalty, freeing prisoners. Oh, by the way, that is exactly why John is wondering if Jesus is really the Messiah after all, because if you're really the Messiah, why am I stuck here in this jail? I need the get out of jail free card. Bust me out of here, Jesus. Do a prison break already. So the Messiah is supposed to free the prisoners, give sight to the blind, straighten out the twisted, that means those who are lame, and the Lord will perform marvelous acts, for he will heal the badly wounded and will make the dead live. He will proclaim good news to the meek, give lavishly to the needy, lead the exiled, and enrich the hungry. That's exactly what Jesus was doing and that's exactly Jesus quoting from Isaiah 61. Well, this document says a lot of the same stuff when the Messiah comes, this is what's going to happen. So, Jesus basically says to John, you're going to have to trust me about the whole prison thing. I can't guarantee your future safety, but I am, believe it, you need to believe this. I am the Messiah. Now, now Jesus this is why he answers the way he does. He doesn't say, "Yep, I'm the Messiah." Because if you were to say it like that, if you were to be that, that explicit about it, it would have aroused the attention of, of the secular authorities, the religious authorities. He would have been handed over to the Romans before he completed his mission. So every, every Jewish person, though, who knows what's going on, knows that Jesus, in a very culturally relevant way, is inviting his fellow Hebrews to consider the evidence of his ministry and draw your own conclusions as to whether he's the Messiah. So Jesus certainly thinks he's the Messiah. We could also say that, remember blind Bartimaeus, blind Bart? (laughs) Bartimaeus means the son of Timaeus. Uh, When he sees Jesus, well, he doesn't see Jesus because he's blind, but Jesus does heal him eventually. He sees with a spiritual sight. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. That's in Mark chapter 10. So son of David is a messianic title. Uh, When Jesus goes into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry, the crowd is clamoring for the coming of the kingdom of David, the coming of the son of David. Well, guess what? Jesus hops on a donkey and rides it up to the Temple Mount. That's exactly what Solomon did in the Old Testament, the the first son of David, right? Uh, You can read about this in 1 Kings chapter 1 verses 38 to 40, also Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It's a famous messianic prophecy. You can look that one up. And so Jesus is doing what the son of David did. So he's saying, yep, I'm him. He also claimed to have a lot of authority in the temple. He could, again, he could only do this if he was either a priest or the king of Israel. Jesus quotes, he's he's disputing with people in the temple. Psalm 110, verse 1, he talks about this in light of who he is. He says, and this is a Psalm of David, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a stool for your feet. So Jesus says, well, hang on here. David calls the Messiah his Lord. So how can it be his son? And, And the crowd listens to him with delight, the text tells us. You can read about this in Mark chapter 12. So, he, he's more than just the son of David. The Messiah is more than just a descendant of David, of course. He is God the Son, but Jesus certainly thinks he is the Messiah. Now, we know this ultimately because when Jesus was on trial for his life, Caiaphas, the high priest, asks him point blank, and he's under oath. He has to answer very clearly, The high priest says, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus says, I am. (laughs) And this is Mark uh, chapter 14, verses 61 to 62. And Jesus is crucified. Don't forget the fact that the Romans crucified Jesus. They called him the King of the Jews. That was the title on his cross. The placard that was placed over his head, it's called the titulus, or or this is the, the charge against him. Here is the King of the Jews. Well, Jesus never would have called himself that. He would have said, I'm the king of Israel. That's, that's a Roman thing to call him the king of the Jews. But the point is, that's a messianic belief. Everybody thought that Jesus was the Messiah. Did Jesus think he was God's unique son? Well, that is something that we need to look at as well. You're listening to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio. I'm your host, Cale Clark. King David, in the Old Testament, he is called, in a sense, God's Son. Let's look at Psalm 2, Psalm 2, verse 7. And this is a Psalm of David. It was used a lot by the early church to talk about Jesus. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me. I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. If you look at Revelation chapter 12, uh, we see the woman giving birth to a son who will rule the nations with a rod of iron. That's a direct reference to Psalm 2, and it's applied to Jesus. In 1 in Chronicles of the Old Testament, in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 23, King Solomon sits on the throne of the Lord. That's interesting, because he was the son of David in the Old Testament. So there's an expectation that the son of David would sit somehow on God's throne throne. And this ties in with Jesus being on trial before Caiaphas, the high priest. The high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed? Now, pious Jews would never use the name of God. So they would use what's called a circumlocution. They would, it's a way of getting around it. So the blessed one, that's another way of saying God. And even when Jesus replies to Caiaphas, he does the same thing. Jesus answers, I am, I am the Messiah. And you will see the Son of Man, there's the Son of Man again, seated at the right hand of power. The power was another way of saying God. You will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And so this is what causes the high priest to cry blasphemy. He tears his robes and he says, Jesus must die. Now, a lot of people want to question, how, how does anybody know that this actually happened? Uh, when Mark writes about this in his gospel in Mark chapter 14, how, Mark wasn't there. He wasn't in the room with Jesus when Jesus was on trial. Is the church making this up? Is St. Mark making this up? Uh, d- did other disciples make this up? Well, no, no. And it's pretty easy to figure out. This is When people say that, they're not thinking straight. They're not thinking straight. So think about this for a second. Just because the disciples weren't in the courtroom and they didn't hear that conversation between Jesus and Caiaphas, that doesn't mean that they didn't know what they were talking about. Because don't forget, in order to condemn someone to death, the Jewish authorities, the Sanhedrin, their high court, they would have had to publicly post the verdict of a trial. Why is this person being condemned to death? And this is eventually codified uh, later on in the Mishnah, but everybody would have kind of known about it. Not to mention the fact that when Jesus was crucified, that's a huge clue as to what he allegedly did or claimed to be, king of the Jews. To claim to be the Messiah is implicitly to say, I'm the Jewish king. So it really kind of beggars belief to th- to say that the disciples wouldn't have known what was going on here. People would have talked. It, don't forget also, after the resurrection, when Jesus meets with his apostles, he might have told them a little bit more about the story, about what happened. Remember, he was hanging out with them for 40 days before ascending into heaven. So he could have said something about it on one of those occasions as well. Here's another somewhat silly objection that people make to this. Well, hang on here. Jesus couldn't have said this. How can you be seated on God's throne and at the same time coming with the clouds of heaven? That, That implies that you're moving. You will see the Son of Man, Jesus says, seated at the right hand of power, that is God the Father, and coming with the clouds of heaven. Well, that, how can he be sitting down and moving at the same time? Well, don't forget, God's throne has wheels. God sits upon a chariot throne. Remember back in the book of Daniel, chapter 7? The Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, takes his seat And the Son of Man figure approaches him. Now, the throne of God is said to have wheels that were burning fire. So, hey, you can keep your off-road trucks, your four-by-four. We're talking some real hot wheels here. I'm telling you, they're, they're not kicking up dirt. They're kicking up the clouds because this is God's chariot throne. And this is Jesus seated on that throne with God the Father. And they are on the move This throne is, as Craig Evans says, thundering through heaven and coming in judgment. Now, no wonder the high priest thought this was blasphemous. If a mere man said, you know, I'm this guy, I'm this person, you can't say that. But as the old baseball player Reggie Jackson used to say, it's not bragging if you can back it up. Jesus is the Son of Man. He is the divine Son of Man. He is God the Son, and he will come in judgment. It's true. And so what we have here is Jesus very, very clearly laying out in the Gospels who he thinks he is. So I think the evidence points very, very clearly to the fact that he did think that he was the Messiah and the divine Son of God. So when we look at the death of Jesus on the cross, we have to remember, he didn't die because uh, he was nice to people. He hung out with sinners. uh, Children flocked to him. uh, He he was very, very good. Uh, It wasn't because of his teachings. He died because he was a threat. He was a threat, especially to the religious leaders of Jerusalem. And, and, you know, obviously the Romans thought he was a threat too at some level. Don't forget, the Jewish leaders, the leaders of the temple establishment, the Sadducees, the high priest and his cronies, they were in cahoots with the Roman governor, Pilate. And the governor, of course, in turn, he is also answerable to the emperor, to Caesar. Jesus is viewed as somebody who's a dangerous person by the high priest and also by Pilate. Therefore, they had to get rid of him. He didn't have an armed following. He didn't have a, an insurrection ready to go like some others did uh, in his time. There was no battle. And nobody died except for Jesus himself. But Jesus died because he was a threat to the temple establishment. That's what he was talking about uh, in his parable of the wicked vineyard tenants. The ruling priests were going to be replaced. And by the way, th- this is... People have misunderstood this a lot throughout history. This is not uh, the kingdom being taken away from the Jews and being given to the church. Don't forget, the church is made up of Jews and non-Jews. All of Jesus' early followers were Jewish. This is about the religious leaders being deposed. Because they did not accept him as Messiah, Jesus knows the judgment is going to fall on them. And that's exactly what happened in the year 70 A.D. when the Romans destroyed the temple. God allowed this to happen, this great cataclysm. At any rate, uh, it's important to understand Jesus in context, and the Gospels can be trusted in terms of what they say about Jesus as they recount his activities and his words. That's all the time we have for today, but if you have a question about the Catholic faith, I'll try to answer it on the air. You can send it to me via email. The address is faith at relevantradio.com. F-A-I-T-H at RelevantRadio.com or you can try to get your question to me on the X app. My handle is at Kale Clark. I'll be with you later today at 5 p.m. Central for the Kale Clark Show live on Relevant Radio. And I'll see you in the next episode of The Faith Explained. God bless.